Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have our final preview podcast for the 2021 U.S. Open, a conversation about the top dark horse candidates in the women's singles competition over the next two weeks in New York. Joining us for that talk is a returning champion here on our Cracked Rackets shows. You know his work from Grantland, from The Ringer, of course, now as a writer for the Guardian Sports. It's my friend Tumani Cariel joining us for that conversation. Of course, parody has been a theme on the WTA Tour over the past few seasons. And so from the start, we discuss, is anyone really considered a dark horse or is everyone just straight up a candidate to have success at this event in New York? Of course, we do get into a couple of specific dark horses as well. Players like Angelique Kerber, Sarah Saribas Tormo, Danielle Collins, Daria Kasakin, Clara Tawson, and so many more of the players whose name may not jump out to you immediately. They may not be a top 10 seed, but they are certainly players who not only can make the second week, but perhaps even do a little bit of damage once they get there. It is a fantastic conversation. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, I will quickly remind all of you, if you have missed any of our preview podcasts, you can find them all in our U.S. Open preview guide on the website, crackrackets.com. We've had so many great guests this week. Chris Otto, David Gertler, of course we had Tumaini here today, Jeff Sackman, Gil Gross, David Kane. It's been a really, really fun time for us to just kind of take stock of where we're at entering the year's final Grand Slam. But of course, if you've missed any of those conversations, you can find them all on the website, crackrackets.com. You can find them all here on the Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, mini breaks each and every day, recapping the action in Winston-Salem, Cleveland, and Chicago. Cracked interviews as well, speaking to some of the standout players from those events, talking as well to players that we got the chance to speak with while at the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge in Pennsylvania, coaches during my time at Kalamazoo as well. So a ton of content for all of you Cracked Rackets listeners as we approach the home stretch of this 2021 season, of course. Also, I want to remind all of you that these podcasts are made possible day in, day out because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our friends, uh, our Patreon family and of course because of the support we get from our friends at turn of tennis you all know the deal so i'll just keep it simple sales at unique sports.com or call 800-554-3707 mention crack racket sent you as well to join the turn of tennis family but with all of that said let's get to it our final preview podcast talking top women's dark horse candidates at the 2021 u.s open with the one and only to mining 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today for our final preview show of the 2021 U.S. Open to talk about the top women singles dark horses entering the event is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. You know his work covering the game for The Guardian. I know him as my friend Tumani Cariel. Tumani, welcome back to the show. Hey, great shot. How are you doing tonight? A typically great intro. I'm, I'm doing great, thanks. Good, uh, good to be back. It's been a while, actually. So. It's, been, it's been far too long since we've had you on the show. Every time I see you appear on No Challenges Remaining, I get a little jealous because I'm like, A, I, I mean, Ben hasn't invited me on in a while. B, I'm like, why didn't I invite Tumaini on? That's that's good thinking by Ben. He's ahead of the curve as always. But no, it is great to have you back. Unfortunately, we're not able to both do this live in New York. Uh, you are covering the event virtually. I had my credential rejected. That's a story for another time. But of course, uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show to talk about the U.S. Open, the year's final Grand Slam. It feels like it's a really interesting time right now in tennis. And that's where I want to start today's conversation, even before we get into any names. Let's just talk in general about the generational shifts we see occurring in both the men's and women's game. I've been asking everyone about this, curious where you sit on this subject on the women's side in particular, I mean, the one stat that jumps out to everyone, you know, first time since 1996, no Venus, no Serena, no Federer, no Rafa in the draw. Obviously, you know, I was born in 1995. That's a generation. That's 25 years of tennis uh, with those four people appearing in a uh, main draw of a Grand Slam. You look on the women's side right now. I don't think we've had a clear hierarchy emerge the way we have on the men's side. I think the picture's still a little bit muddy. But I would argue, A, right now the quality it takes to be a top 30 player is probably higher than it has ever been in the women's game. And so given our topic here is dark horses, I'm curious – Why do you think is the reason for that? For me, it's the generational shift. It's that we haven't had the clear number one emerge. Now, Barty's coming, and we can talk about that, obviously, as well. But it just feels like so many of these players, whether it's the Coco Goff generation, players like her and Clara Tawson, who's won a couple of titles this year, and Anne Lee's been firing up the rankings. Claire Lou's had a fantastic year as well, whether it's players a little bit over, older than them. Obviously, the Sabalenkas, the Osakas, the Sakaris, Krechikovas, Conteves of the world coming into their own. Jess Pegula, Jennifer Brady have had outstanding seasons, of course. Above them, you still have someone in Carolina Pliskova who's clearly playing really good tennis. If Simone Mona Halep was healthy, she would have been a contender at each of the slams. We don't we didn't talk about it because she got injured, but you know, she was excellent in 2020. She only lost like three or four times, limited match play, but she was really, really good last season. And so it just feels like we have this confluence of generations all still either scratching at or well within their primes in a way that I just can't remember this sort of depth in women's tennis during my time watching the WTA Tour. I'm curious how you feel on that topic. 
Yeah, yeah. it's funny because sometimes I, I mentioned, I talk about the depth in women's tennis and people argue against it. You know, people have this, you know, some people just have this view of, well, they, they think of the time when, you know, just you had Justine Hennen and Venus Serena Capriati as, as kind of the golden era of women's tennis and and that in in their minds this doesn't match up to it at all but you know when you speak to any of the players whether it's ones now whether it's i don't know maria sharpova back when she was playing or you know almost everyone seems to be believed that the depth you know that it's just not how it was before i mean i think it's pretty clear as well but to hear from the players you know back in, in the past that there were easy matches there were you know where matches they would view as easy but now kind of there's, there's there is like just a, a base level of quality in which a lot of players are capable of of doing of going deep into tournaments and beating top players they don't do it you know they they don't necessarily play at that high level every every week and every match but they all have this capability and you know think think looking at like the seeds and, and even beyond them but looking at the seeds it's very few players that in the top top 30 top 40 that you'd see them in a slam quarter final or or even deeper and be well in a slam quarter final and be surprised really or or think they look out of um you know out of place there and why i, I mean partly i think it's it's just things progressing in, in terms of, as we talk about with everything, uh, players becoming more professional and and all of that stuff, and just the competition generally improving. Um, I think it's also part that because I don't know that there are. I mean, women's tennis does kind of lack the top top players who you know more, uh, you know who can do what Barty does is has been doing this year and went you know going deep week after week after week um and and those players you know and i guess in those in that place there's just a lot of <laughs> there, there's a lot of i'd say very good players instead of exceptional ones if, if that makes any sense and so yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree that this is a time of of great depth and and just that there's a lot of there's just many different players within the top 100 that you you i'm i'm very happy to watch let's say yeah no and case in point i think there have been something like 32 or 33 i'll get the exact number wta events maybe even more than that at this point this season But we have over 25 individual winners of WTA events this year, and there are only six women who have won multiple titles on the season. And when you hear the list, it makes sense. It's Ashley Barty, Arena Sabalenka, Iga Sviantek, Barbara Krejcikova, Daria Kasakina, who has been sneaky excellent this year and will be coming up later on in this podcast, as will, I imagine, Danielle Collins. And by the way, Those are six names that make sense. Those have been six of the standout players this season. But, of course, I can also throw at you the Elena Gabriela Russa title from earlier this year. I can also throw at you the Astra Sharma title from later this year. And that's not to say – or that's not to be disrespectful – to uh, you know those players who 
played fantastic weeks of tennis. But you know, I could also throw in a Maria Camilla, uh, a Maria Camilla Osorio Serrano, excuse me, um, or I could throw at you again the two Clara Tossin titles. It's different players every week. I agree with you. And it's not as though these are fluke weeks because we've seen Tossin continue to rise up the rankings. We've seen just all of Sarah Cerebas Tormo is another great example. She's had one title this season, but she's 21 and six on hard courts. Another person, I'm giving away my whole list here. But these are all players who we've seen emerge this season because there is space at the top of the game. And that gets to a follow-up point to something you made. And I made the full case. We had Jeff Sackman earlier this week on the show about where Ashley Barty stacks up this season compared to history. And the consensus we had was at this point, it's not quite on the Serena, Celis, Graf, Navratilova, Everett level. It's not quite there yet. But it is on the Venus level. It is on the Sharapova level in those prime seasons, or at least she is on pace to do so here with a strong finish in New York. The thing is, there there is no top, top-tier player right now. Now, you know, and case in point, you look through Sharapova's career, yes, she reached number one in the world, but she was never the prohibitive number one. Same deal with Venus Williams. Yes, she reached number one in the world, but during their primes, they were never the prohibitive number one. Now, Ashley Barty is the prohibitive number one right now, but I think, and this is my question to you, who is the most dominant player on the WTA Tour? I mean, this season it has been Barty, but when she plays her best, all you have to do is look back to the 2020 U.S. Open, 2021 Australian Open, and the answer to that question is Naomi Osaka. And so some of that is obviously Osaka-driven hesitancy regarding Barty, but all this is to say... The depth, like I said at the top, I think it's harder to be a top 30 player right now than it's ever been in the WTA Tour. It might be easier to be a top 5, top 10 player than it has been for the past decade. Is is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Well, is that you, yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, in, in, in terms of what you... In in, you, in terms of like the most dominant player, I mean, I, it's, I, I agree it's Barty, but I, I guess you know what I guess what you're saying is who's the like the highest ceiling? Is is that what you meant? I guess so. The- I, I guess that you, you know again half the times I don't even know what I'm saying to money, and this is why <laughs> I like to have you on here because you call me out. But I guess what I'm saying is yes, that is why I think there's some hesitancy around Ashley Barty because I think. All of I don't want to generalize for what everyone feels. Tell me what you feel. But I feel that Naomi Osaka's ceiling as a player, when she plays her best, it is this her on a hard court is the single most dominant force right now in the women's game. And that she's not number one, I think contributes to this idea that it's well it's a little bit soft at the top. And it's just like, okay, it's her, it's Barty, but who else? Like Sabalenka to the hardcore fans has been awesome. But she hasn't, you know, she's got the Wimbledon run. That's really it. There are two players who have made multiple slam quarterfinals this year. It's Barty and it's Karolina Mukova. There is one player who has made the fourth round at all three slams this year. It's Iga Sviantek. That is why where the criticism comes is, well, then where's the consistency at the slams? And the lack of consistency, to go full circle here, Tumaini, the lack of consistency is due to the parity I think we see amongst these top 30 players. There are a lot of really, really good ones right now. Maybe one or two greats. Yeah. No, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, 
since we're at the US Open, two years ago, we thought that Bianca Andreescu was going to be one of the great players who was going to make that push and, you know, she, who has the game in terms of having power, variety, every shot in the book disrupts players as well as blows them off the court. But she she hasn't, you know, because of the injuries and because of all of that stuff, she, she hasn't been, been able to make that next step. You have, you know, you mentioned Triantec who is still kind of putting the piece, who's been, you know, even aside from, you know, she's had a good year, but she's still kind of, I mean, she's still 20 and 20 and, and still putting putting her, her, her game together and, you know, figuring out how she can be successful. I think, like, I think within women's tennis, there's there are players who I couldn't, I could see in the future being, you know, that foil for Barty and and along with Osaka, you know. But, you know, I think for, for various reasons, it hasn't happened yet. But I, I guess, I, I think that's really the, the biggest question for the WTA, that there are many players who can be great, but how many of them are going to be, are going to actually make that step and be able to win consistently at the top, tournaments over a long period of time and yeah. i think yeah i think that i mean that, that will determine i think the the direction of the sport in the future really because i mean everyone everyone always says it of course and and i think there's truth in it that you know that i think the the next step is for there to be great rivalries that people you know kind of want you know see see frequently and, and want to go back go you know turn on their tv and watch yeah. uh, no and i think the good news on that front is that in the top 20 right now i think only five of the players are over the age of 26 and it's like it's muguruza's 27 pliskova's 29 you've got kvitova 31 pavlichenkova 30 kerber 33 halep 29 as well i missed her excuse me but then everyone else is super, super young. And, of course, as you descend down the top 30, yes, you get Serena in the mix. But then you also start to throw in players like Goff. And, obviously, you've got the Rabakinas of the world, the Bedosas of the world, Mukovas of the world. I mean, Jess Pegula feels like just scratching the start of her prime. And we saw what Daniel Collins was able to do over this past month on tour. The next five years in particular feel very, very interesting because it is open season and there are a lot of players with talent. I mean, we haven't talked about Amanda Nisimova. Like, she made a Grand Slam semifinal two years ago. She's still yeah. under the age of 21. Like, there's a lot of talent and a lot of upside and a lot of career left uh, for her. And just, you know, you can keep going down the list of players like that who just feels like there are going to be a lot of bites at the apple for a lot of different players and you know, Sonia Kennan's another one. After a straight ascension for her, she was the best she's ever been in 2018, followed by the best she's ever been in 2019, which was capitalized by that Serena win at the French Open. She wins a Grand Slam and makes another final in 2020. She has not been a part of the discussion at all this season. And it's just, there. it does feel like there are, as you mentioned, a bunch of good players right now, but we need to see who goes from good to great. Who wins a Grand Slam title and you know, takes a leap from there. Maybe it's, maybe Naomi Osaka just, something clicks for her in a way week in, week out. It hasn't quite yet. 
in her career because yeah. she's certainly flashed the ability to do it. Maybe it just is Barty. And I do, before we get into the Dark Horses, want to end here. Where are you on the Ashley Barty number one player in the world? It's not even a debate. I mean, she is the number one player in the world, but the strength of that resume this season, again, and she's won 85% of her matches, five titles, six finals, and 12 total events, 7-1 against the top tw- uh, 10, 14-1 against the top 20. She's been ridiculous. There's no denying that. How how real does this feel to you? The reason why I keep bringing up Venus for Barty, in Venus's, we'll say, three-year, or uh, I think it was yeah, three-year prime, five-year prime. Maybe it was her five-year prime. She ended up winning about four Grand Slam titles. I think that's an interesting number for Barty. If I tell you she gets two more over the next three seasons, like that feels uh, maybe that feels a little low, to be honest. So, so can, can I can I be annoying again? Um, Please. I would I would say that you know I'm not sure what you you talked about on, on your previous podcast, but I I, I don't necessarily agree with the Venus and, and Barty comparison. Okay. Because um, she, she, Venus was never, like, the, the dominant number one. But she did go through a period where she, uh, she won four of six slams. Mm-hmm. She, you know, in, in 2000, she won she won 35 matches in a row. And, you know, her ascension was kind of stopped by Serena, you know. without If Serena didn't exist, I mean, <laughs> the, the world was kind of hers. And so... so I don't know. It's. it's I, I don't see that happening. You know, I mean, maybe it will. But I, I even even if Osaka is at her, you know, at her 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 best and and you know figures out how to win consistently, I don't see Barty having. Well, I don't see any player just doing what Serena kind of did, you know, and just just taking the sport for themselves. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but... Well, if I may, I actually kind of love that comparison, and I'm going to double down even more. Nothing, uh, Given what we've just talked about right now, the lack of a great player, in the next three years, let's say that great comes along, or let's say something just clicks for Sabalenka at the majors, because she's the one for me, the power game she can play, her best right now, it's as good as anyone out there. Let's just say it's her. She's the one who clicks, goes from good to great. Stops Barty's run here because she's got the big serve into the one-handed backhand and it just ends up thwarting Barty's run. You take out 2020, which Barty didn't play. I mean, you go, so she won the 2019 French Open, six slams. So in the span of six slams, she's also won the 2021 Wimbledon. Let's say she wins this here in New York as she's the favorite to do. And again, we already talked about that on a different podcast, though feel free to share your thoughts if she is the favorite. Three and six or three and seven, and with you know she probably enters Australia as the favorite at that point as well. I think a lot of us will pick her to win at least one Grand Slam during the 2022 season. Doesn't that sound about right? Like this is the window for Barty. She'll clean up slams, let's say over the next year and a half, get as many as she can, extract out of that window before the next great player solidifies himself on top of the women's game or counter to that maybe she is that next great player maybe she continues to improve the first serve percentage maybe she does take the jump from really 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 freaking good to elite of the elite in wta history i think both those pathways are op- are out there for her and still open yeah i i, don't, I definitely don't think you know but before even before she kind of came back you know from from her break i i, I 
you know, in, in my mind, she was ha, wasn't even close to you know scratching the surface of her potential. You know, with back in 2019, her, her friendship and run was, you know, she she didn't beat the top. If you compare her, her you know, t- just snuffing out Kerber at Wimbledon in the Wimbledon semi final didn't really compare to her run, which she had qu- quite a she had a good opportunity and at the French Open and she took it. And what, what I'm trying to say is that she, she I felt that she had a great room to improve and and that's kind of been the story of her year this year, you know, figuring out how to win consistently on clay, you know, bringing out her best level when, when needed. And I'm, I'm definitely curious, interested to see what Barty's game looks like if someone does come, if someone does force her to push her to the next level, if, if that makes any sense, because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, you know, I, I would love to see what happens if, if Osaka did become, if they were able to play and, and if someone was able to push party and, and if there was that kind of, you know, the regular clash at the top level that makes everyone at the top better. So, wh- why do I stand on Barty? I, I think she's um, undoubtedly like the undisputed number one, and it's it's been kind of really impressive just to see. You know, she was well aware of the way people were speaking about her when when she wasn't competing, and when you know people thought that she shouldn't be number one. And it's just really impressive how she's kind of stamped her authority on on the tour and 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 made that undeniable, in my opinion. And 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 now. She's thrown the gauntlet down, and, and now we'll see if, if anyone can, you know, follow her. She's not just number one. She's number one by 3,000 points. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That That's yeah. crazy. And she's got over 10,000 points. It's not like yeah, she's... Yeah, it's leopard- crazy. Yeah, she has been dominant. And in the big events this year, she has brought her best. I agree with I agree with you completely. Um, there is no denying Ashley Barty. It, it's been one heck of a year even if she doesn't win in new york uh she has cemented herself in the conversation and again even if we're saying oh venus and not serena you know who's one of the 10 best players in tennis history to venus freaking williams so like yeah it's pretty good company for ashley barty to be keeping and just in general no doubt uh this has been a phenomenal season for her but that's where things are at more broadly on the WTA Tour, why I wanted to have you on the show today is to talk about the dark horses. Talk about these many players making up the depth in the WTA Tour we see that make these results week in, week out so interesting. I, I'm I'm curious if you feel this way as well. Watching these draw reveals, you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, these two play first round, but then you go look around and you're like, well, there must be some lopsided sections that have like seven qualifiers. And it's like, no, these matchups are everywhere. And so, again, it speaks to the strength of the field. It speaks to, you know, where we are at right now on the WTA Tour, that you can have multiple first-round matchups like the ones uh, we do. You look across the draw right now on the women's side. Again, top to bottom, there are some super, super fun ones. I don't, I don't even know where to start for me. Some of the ones that I suppose uh, jump out right away. Probably, I'd say the Sarah Suribes Tormo match is certainly one that sticks out to me. Just the fact that you look for her, and I mentioned this earlier, and we'll talk about her in a second. Twenty-one and six, taking out one of the players who has made two quarterfinals this season in Carolina Mukova. 
Kostyuk Sakari, I mean, that's a fantastic one. Victoria Golovic has been sneaky excellent. She might be the favorite in terms of recent form. If you've been watching, taking on Bianca Andreescu, you have Canada 1,000-level champion Camilla Georgie taking on Simona Halep. These are, yeah, it's third, fourth-round type matchups, Tumani. They're all happening in the first round. As we transition here into our dark horse uh, conversation, I guess my question to you more broadly, is there even a dark horse anymore on the WTA Tour? It just feels like everyone can make a week. It feels like the upsets, the parody is almost built into the equation at this point because, as I mentioned, one player's made the fourth round at all three slams. Two players have multiple quarterfinal appearances. Should we expect the unexpected here in New York? Or are you expecting, you know, again, some dark horse runs, some name to come out of nowhere? I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I think. I mean, I think you're right about there not really being any dark horses, and that very few things are unexpected now. Because I mean, you, you kind of laid it out, but yeah, anything can really happen. I'm not anything, but. Again, there's just there's so many quality players who are capable of of producing, of of finding you know that inspiration of playing the best tennis, of 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 having a run through you know beating a top player and 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 continuing on through the draw, and so that's how it is. I think there's there's no point in being surprised when you know I don't know Anastasia Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova goes on a run because we all know she's capable. Uh, you know it's it's. Or, or I don't know, Alona Ostapenko finding you know, out of, out of kind of no not nowhere, but finding her form and and going deep into this draw. I, I don't know. I, I think at this point, at least to me in my mind, and, and maybe that's not the right way to look at it, but all, to me, all all avenues are open, all opportunities are open. If if you told me that before the Olympics that Belinda Bencic was going to be the gold medalist after kind of her, yeah. I think losing early at Wimbledon. but but again it's that's that's the toll the toll that i mean it 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 made sense when it happened because that's that's where we are and again we'll we'll see if that changes we'll see you know we we could be if 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 we have a we'll see if you know barty's you know the supreme form she's been on in this season if 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 she maintains it, if, if other other players are able to follow her, if, if there is some if some kind of you know regular appearances deep in in the um, the majors, if if that starts to take shape, if if Andreescu again finds her way, I don't know, but just just throwing out names, but we'll see if that changes. But for now, to me, just. I, I I almost refuse to be surprised at this point. No, I, I mean, I'll even go a layer deeper than that. All of these players are ranked outside the top 50. But if I tell you th- all three of, and I don't know where they are in the draw, but like number 57, Donna Vekic, or number 62, Caroline Garcia, number 65, Sloane Stevens. If I tell you all three of them end up in the round of 16, people who follow the game closely week in week out would probably be like yeah okay like sure like i guess it was just one of those weeks and that speaks to the depth right now in these rankings again kaya kanepi's 70th 
did you see oh. how good she was at the start of the year, Tumaini? Like, it's, oh. I would want no part of her in a first-round matchup. Oh. Layla Fernandez, the 18-year-old Canadian, 73. Again, Anisimova, 75. Tossin, 78. Like, the depth is there right now. There is no easy first-round matchup. Everyone is a dark horse, it feels like. Of course, you know, categorizing dark horses, is it ever fair to call a top-10 seed a dark horse? No, yeah. but, like, is Bianca Andreescu entering this uh, U.S. Open very quietly? Absolutely. Is Iga Sviantek entering this U.S. Open very quietly? Absolutely. There are a lot of different players a lot of different categories of dark horses. We didn't create any specific rules for this exercise, so let's open up the floor to Miney. Give me your first player, a dark horse you are watching at the U.S. Open, someone you think might catch people by surprise. Oh, um, let, let me think. <laughs> uh, no, because the, the funny thing is, you know, when, when, when you asked me to do this, my first question to you was going to, well, my first question was, what, what is your definition of a dark horse? Okay, so that's good. So we can start there. I like that because I usually I categorize it, you know, someone outside the top 10 seed. So it can be a seeded player, but they're outside the top 10 that you think can make a semifinal. So like for me, I mean, Garbine Muguru is going to end up as the 10 seed. So that's not quite fair. I guess if you think Own Jabour can make the semifinals, which is a legitimate thought to have. I wouldn't knock you. She's not on my list. Or if you think, you know, Vidosa can do that as well, just the consistency or Pagula or Goth, that would be one category of Dark Horse. A second category of Dark Horse for me is an unseeded player who you think will make the second week. The third category would be the wild card or the player who comes out of nowhere, won 30 in the rankings, got through qualifying, whatever it may be, that you just think can win a couple of matches. So for me, it's usually three categories of dark horses. The place okay. I, I would start, unless you have a name, unless you're ready to rock and roll. So like, I, I, have, I have a name for, for so I'll give you for the first category that, that you said. Um, Perfect. Seeded player outside of the top 10, this isn't really anything controversial, but Angelique Kerber, who's... A, f- a former i don't know if that works you're, you're, no i know at... i you say it's not controversial <laughs> i'm ready to push back so make the case okay i mean i, I don't know if you're uh, well uh, she, she's ranked obviously she's a former champion a former world number one everyone knows what she's capable of but i mean she's playing extremely well she made wimbledon semi-final she was you know in in the big tournament you know again she made the cincinnati semi-final she's in a, a tough part of the draw with what I think could be a really consequential fourth round with um, Naomi Osaka. If it happens, I'd, I'd watch the hell, hell out of that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think she's playing extremely well. And and when she's on form and when she's feeling herself, I you know, I mean, I don't need to tell you what she's capable of. And, I, I, you know, that se- it seems of, of all the people to, to you know, mentioning a, a former Grand Slam champion seems like a cheating, but... To, to me, like that, that's she's someone I'm, I'm looking looking to, particularly if if the court's faster, as some some of the players have been saying. And now you're you're going to tell me I'm wrong. No, I, it's not that you're wrong, but you're wrong. Um, no, I just <laughs> uh, when I when I look at Angelique Kerber, and you're right. I mean, last three tournaments, title in Bad Hamburg, 
which she beat Kvitova and Isimova. Uh, it's in Yakova in the final. Wimbledon, as you, you, you talk about, she beat Cerebus Tormo, Goff, Mukova to make the semifinals there before getting knocked out by Barty. Western, Southern run, I mean, two and two over Sakari, three sets over Ostapenko and Svitolina. The win, she was up before Kvitova had to withdraw in their quarterfinal match as well. Those are three outstanding results for Angelique Kerber, and she does seem to be fit in a way that she just wasn't early in 2021 or at the end of that 2020 post-layoff season. That said, I just don't think her peak is as high as some of these other young players right now. Why I don't have it as a dark horse candidate is I don't see the quarterfinal run. Like I, I, The Western Southern Open is not New York, and... You know, for some of the players, it was wariness from the week before. She didn't play uh, in Canada, and I do think that matters. Like, I think being fresh entering that Cincinnati event, case in point, look look who won the event, Zverev and Barty. Neither of them played Canada. It's a grind, particularly for the best players, when you go deep that first week in Canada. And, you know, once you get to the second week of a U.S. Open, you will have played one week of physical tennis. And I just think at that point— for Angelique Kerber because she does rely on her physicality so much. And I do think it's worth noting the success on a grass court. You know, so many of these young players have such few repetitions on grass courts. They're not the players they're going to be in the prime of their career at Wimbledon, in the warm-ups to Wimbledon uh, right now. And so I think her best on grass court is better compared to the field than her best on hard courts now because all of these players have hard court reps. Everyone grew up playing on hard courts, half the year's on hard courts. I don't worry about that from a sample size standpoint. I just think for her game, it's so dependent on her physicality. It's so dependent on her wearing opponents down. And I just don't think that's going to work in the second week of the U.S. Open because I think too many of these top players now, it's either a Rabakina who's just going to blitz you with power. I mean, Barty's going to match your physicality. You know, I just think there's a it, – it's tough. I just think there's a lot of different players out there in her game. I just think the margin for error is not as great as some of these other players. I, I mean, I, I I get your point. I I, I don't think I, – I mean, I, I agree as, as well that her, her top – her best surface is grass, and, and that's where her game is most potent. But, you, 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 again, I mean, going back to Barty, you, you don't need to necessarily be at your best. You just need to – you know, be at a consistently high level that can, you know, that's sufficient enough to to go deep. I, I mean, I think she again. I think she has a tough draw, and you know, but that, that's just my 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 thought on on the player who is mo- one of the most informed players who's only lo- who has only lost to Barty since June. Um, but I mean, I, I get your point. <laughs> no, it's again for the record. She's a good pick. She's going to do well at this event. I, and it's funny for Osaka. First, Osaka's got to get through Goth. I think for you know Naomi Osaka, the Kerber fourth round matchup is way easier than the Coco Goth third round matchup. Now, uh, conversely, I think the the Kerber matchup for Goff in round four is a lot harder than the Osaka matchup in round number three because. Uh, just obviously what it means when Naomi plays Coco, that's going to be in front of a sold-out crowd, and that is one of the most fun young rivalries, certainly in the women's game. 
there's a steadiness to Kerber that certainly that's that's going to be an interesting matchup should she play a golf or honestly should she play an Osaka as well I just think Osaka would have the weapons to overpower her at that point but again I, I'm not trying to fault you like I don't think Angelique Kerber's a bad pick by any stretch of the imagination to many the player I went with for my first dark horse who I honestly think could make the semifinals. Now, I don't think she's going to. And again, it's a really tough draw round one against, and not in form Mukova, but still Carolina Mukova. But I mean, Sarah Sarivas Tormo, to my knee, is on the short list for most improved players of this 2021 season. You look for her overall in terms of her results, 27 and 13 this year. She won her first title in Guadalajara, has made uh, quarterfinals or better in Abu Dhabi, in Monterey, in Bad Hamburg, in Montreal, now here in Cleveland, as well as we're recording this. She's taking on Annette Conteve. I've mentioned this throughout the podcast, 22 and 6 on hard courts too many. That's ridiculous. And it's not as though it's been a cupcake schedule either. You look for her seven and three against top fifty opponents, now two and three against the top twenty, one and two against the top ten, but she has now reached a new career high in the rankings, number 43. You look at her with her result this week. She's going to enter uh, the U.S. Open at a new career high, number 41, in the live rankings. You look for her in the race to the year-end finals. Sarah Cerebes Tormo currently sitting, I believe I want to say it's number 30. I want to say number 31. In the race to the year-end finals, you look at Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings, which measure who you play, not when or where, like the rankings do. Sarah Cerebus Tormos, currently number 33 in overall ELO, number 21 uh, based on 2021 results. We're on hard courts in New York, and I know she's playing the week before the event. Sarah Cerebus Tormo is on your shortlist for the fittest players on the WTA Tour. Fitness is such an integral part of her game. The way she lulls you to sleep with that backhand slice, it's Barty-esque, and much like Ashley Barty, she is one of the players who actually is able to keep that slice so low on the court, just throw nothing at you. She also baits you into attacking the outer third. She says, go ahead, hit your approach shot. Force me to be on the run because Sarah Cerebus Tormo is at her best on the run. And you look at just the results she's put up this season, again, on hard court. She's beaten Ashley Barty. In Tokyo, she's played close matches with Andreescu, with Karolina Pliskova. You know, it was a three-set loss for her to Kostyuk over in Abu Dhabi. Her only questionable stretch, you'd say, was in Australia, where, you know, it was the bubble, and every player adjusted to that in their own way. I'm not writing that as an excuse. I'm just trying to say when she's been able to control the variables, you know, Sarah Cerebus Toro has not suffered a first-round loss in a hard-court match outside of Australia. Her results in every hardcourt event have been really, really good. And she has a vulnerable first seed in Carolina Mukova. And you look at that section of the draw, you know, after there, if she's able to get through uh, a Mukova in her first match, then it would be, you know, her seeds, you haven't banged up Jennifer Brady would be the seed in her section. She could end up being a fourth round opponent for Ashley Barty. That's an interesting one. That would be a matchup I think a lot of us would like to see your thoughts on Cerebus Tormo entering this U.S. Open? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you that she's been one of the most improved players and just the, the way that she's been able to, to bring kind of a consistent level week after week, you know, across different surfaces as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, her, her upset of, of Barty at, at the Tokyo Olympics was not a surprise not really that you know not really that surprising 
and 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 yeah, I think that the I mean that first round is 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 really interesting to me, um, because if if you'd asked me a, a few summers ago, I, I might have picked Mukova as my dark horse, and sure. she's she's struggling she's struggling with um, abdominal injury. Um, that that I think is that's been lingering since the, um, the Australian run. But yeah, that that that, that that's a really a real that's a really really big first run, and I mean, she, she as you said, like she's she's a, a mad with her stamina, with with her ability to, you know, force errors out of opponents. She's she's a maddening player to face, and and yeah, she I mean she she, she I mean g- given how she's played, you know, given how she pushed Kerber at Wimbledon, I, I think that. There will probably come a time when she's able to put put the wins together and and go d- deeper into a, a slam and yeah so it's, uh, so it's, it's a I, I, I mean I, I think you, you've been you're you're very big on 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 Cerebral Stormer in general right yeah you, well I, you're noticed <laughs> yeah this is just a type for me no I um I just I do I I think she fits this category to a T and by the way no coughing fit for you so clearly you should agree with me the gods agree um but <laughs> no I mean yeah I I I I have nothing left to say I just think physically this point of the year that's a big thing as well and just you don't have any questions about her there the way she competes the way just you know 70% of those first serves go in very Jensen Brooksby-ish very Jensen Brooksby-ish that might be the best comparison for Sarah Cerebez Tormo's game but all right that is my first dark horse candidate to I'll go back to you give me another name on your list a player we should be looking for to make a run here in New York um I know. I mean, there's a lot to choose from because it is so wide open. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I've got, I've got to look at the draw. I'm sorry. No, um, it's okay. Again, there's, <laughs> it's tough too because the draws have come out now, so you don't want to just throw a name like on paper. Golubic would have been an easy pick, but she's got Andrescu first round like that matters for sure. That said, should Victoria Golubic get through that first round match? A, you're not going to find a more beautiful one-handed backhand in the women's game. You may not even find another one-handed backhand in the women's game right now other than Victoria Golubic, who, oh my God, is that wing explosive. And she's not on my dark horse candidate list for the record, but she should be. Um, but there's a lot – again, that's the thing is I I can do 30 seconds on each of these players as a dark horse if you want to, Miney. So, again, um, whoever you think. Give, give me your, your second and, and I'll – All right. I'll think of I'm going to go – well, I already did the Danielle Collins conversation on our State of American uh, State of the Union American Women's Edition entering this, but I'm curious where you are on Danielle Collins because certainly you look at her results over the past month, she has been maybe the best player in the women's game in the month of August outside of Ashley Barty. You look at what she was able to do over the past few weeks for Danielle Collins, who, by the way, now up to eighth. In 2021 ELO, she's up to number 19th in overall ELO. You look for her here during uh, this 2021 season. She's 29 and 11 
overall. You look at her results since the end of Wimbledon quarterfinals in Hamburg. She lost in three sets to the eventual champion, Rusa. She then goes semifinals, Budapest, title in Palermo, title in San Jose, three-set loss to Pagula in Montreal. She then retires with an injury in Cincinnati, but that's a lot of tennis on the body over a five-week stretch. Of course, she comes in fresh now. I like to make clubs, as our listeners know, here at Crack Rackets. I like to, you know, be our friends at Tennis Abstract. I do top 15, top uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 club, the players who rank top all of those categories in both hold and break percentage because I often think these lists reflect what we're seeing. There are eight players who rank in the top 20 right now in both hold and break percentage. Sviantek's the only one who's top 10 in both. Muguruza and Jabour top 15 in both. Then you have a group of Barty, Sabalenka, Serena, Sakari, and Danielle Collins. Eight players who are top 20 in both hold and break percentage. That matches up with my eyes, Tumani. That is what I am seeing with Danielle Collins, and she's always been a player, former Grand Slam semifinalist. I think that's the 2018 Australian Open. Her best, the power tennis she can play, it's it's as good as you're going to find, and there's a fierceness to her. Obviously, you know, her commands are the calling card, but just the way she competes, she's not afraid of any opponent, any stage, any crowd. I haven't looked at her draw, but I don't need to because Danielle Collins believes she can beat anyone. And when she plays her best right now, she really can. Now, I do have some stats to detract if you want to hear them. Of course, you look for her in terms of the opponents she's played here this season against the top 20. She's 4-4 four and four against the top 10, 2-2 two and two versus opponents outside the top 50. She's 22-4, and four, so she's feasted on them here this season. At the same time, didn't we just do the first 40 minutes on the parody and how difficult it is to feast on those sorts of players? And she's doing it. And so there's been a consistency to Collins as well. I'm not sure if she's going to be seated or not. Again, I'll look through the draw momentarily, but she's on my short list. Like if I tell you she makes the quarterfinals, semifinals here, she could beat anyone if she's hot. So so she's on a a third round uh, collision course with Sabalenka, which would be very interesting. Breaks my heart. <laughs> Why would they do but, that to me? But, so, so, so I, I should say I have a confession. I, I unfortunately, I was at the Tokyo Olympics, and I, I, so I didn't watch a single point of of Collins' amazing run. <laughs> but I've, but I've, but I've, I've always been like, you know, as you said, really big on her kind of her just the mixture of being such a, a great athlete and such a great ball striker, and, and any time you get that together, it, you know. Obviously, she's had, you know, consistency problems, but just over over her career. But just those two assets are can just produce such great tennis, and particularly with just how just clean and pure her back end is, and and way she can just strike winners on any part of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so, so yeah, but she yeah she has a tough draw. I'd, I'd say someone who. Does who who I like? I think so. so Elena Rybakina's kind of um, she's cooled down since um, the French since the French Open and then then Wimbledon. But I like her draw. I, I think I think I mean again. If it, I don't know, if it feels weird picking people when when you know they could easily be she, she's in a section with uh, she's near Halep and Georgie could be Georgie who who burst <laughs> through that that section. <laughs> But I, I do think I, I've been really impressed with Rebecca. You know, 
during this um, the spring summer, and I, I think I could see her again having another nice run into her sep- second week and and maybe further with just the just the potency of her game, her serve, you know, her back end, just the, the weapons and, and the weapons that she's kind of slowly learning how to put together and, and when it matters. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I, agree. About- I agree with all of that. I think it's so tough to do this podcast in particular. This is why we saved it for last and with such an exceptional guest is because uh, obviously every you can pick anyone. Camilla Georgie is a dark horse. Jill Teichman, we just saw what she does when she plays her best tennis in Cincinnati. She's a dark horse. I mean, again, the entire American Women's Tennis State of the Union podcast we did, from Ann Lee to Anissa Mova, I'm not going to repeat myself, but all of Shelby Rogers, like we saw her do it last year. Jess Pegula has made quarterfinals or better of essentially every major hard court tournament this season. All of these players are in the mix. I agree with you. And so it makes it really hard to, to single out any single player. Rabakina is one who makes sense because her best, mm. and I don't think I've given you this rant. Our listeners have heard it before about Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Have I told you this? Guys, trying to figure out again because I like to make clubs. Um, you know, what's, it really started with a take that the thing Serena did different than everyone else in the history of women's tennis is her serve. Her serve was singularly better than everyone else's, still stands to this day. That's what makes her the elite of the elite. And it was like, you know who else can do that, though, for the first time ever? Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka is the first player to flirt with that plane of serving in the women's game where it's like her and Serena. But a two-person club is no fun. So we expanded it to that Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Who's got that – the power game where they're just going to hit you off the court, and when they do, they're going to beat you. So like Petra Kvitova, beautiful corner house in the country club neighborhood, right? She's obviously a power tennis country club. Yelena Ostapenko is that corner house at the back of the neighborhood that everyone's like, ooh, do we go up to that? Like I'm not sure. what We don't really know her that well but we know she's got the power tennis when it's firing it's firing all that is to say people have heard me say this before Rabakina is not a club member yet but she's allowed to come on weekends for meals and like you know if she wants to golf at the local club she can golf there as well because when she plays her best power tennis it is that gear it is I'm hitting through you it's one speed but this speed is going to beat you and she moves really well for her size and she's just Again, both wings. It's not just a forehand. It's forehand, backhand. She's a comfortable volleyer. I'm on the Rabakina bandwagon. I agree with you. I mean, she since the start of 2020, really on hard courts in particular as well, she's just been excellent. And so, no, I, I think that's a really good pick. I, I have no problems with that one. I would flip gears here. What do you make of Daria Kasakina's season this year? Because obviously Kasakina is a player who has been top 10 in the past. And she's a player who has had, you know, uh, made quarterfinal run at the French Open. You look for Kasakina here this season. I think she's been one of the steadiest players on the year. And just, again, probably the comeback player of the season. You look for her 29-15 and 15 overall. That has her ranking 25th in 2021. ELO 26th in overall. ELO, according to the WTA rankings, she's currently 27th. You look for her here in 2021. She's 33-16. and 16. 
overall to money. She's won titles this season at the Phillips Island event in St. Petersburg. She made a final in Birmingham as well, final in San Jose before she was knocked out by Danielle Collins. You look for her record via, you know, breakdown by opponent against the top 50. She's 13 and 10, 4 and 4 against the top 20, 1 and 3 against the top 10. You look for her again, another player who's 20 and 6 against players ranked outside the top 50 this season. There's no doubt she's reestablished herself in that top 40, top 30 mix, that she should be amongst the seeds at slams. She's also an outlier game to me, Tumani, in that it's not a predicated on power. She's very much one of the better, again, more fluid athletes, uh, one of the best movers in the game, someone who's also very good at moving the ball around the court, her ability to hit short angles and play the slice and just you know hit all of the different serves, super impressive. And then, of course, she can crank the forehand when she wants to as well. It, very Tommy Polish in terms of that sort of athlete. She's very fluid, very easy on the court. she a dark horse in your mind? She, I, possibly, uh, uh, she, she, she's actually in in Rubikina section, which is a nice place to be with Switzerlina. Mm-hmm. She, she, she would, she's, um, yeah, drawn to. She has a tough. I mean, she has a tough, uh, not a tough, but she, she faces the kind of perennial dark horse, Svetlana Perongova in the first round. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I like her, her place, her spot in the draw, and also, yeah, I, I agree that she's been, she's had a really, you know consistently good season and it's interesting to me that she um her best results have actually come off clay she, she performed well on grass and also on hard courts and to, to me that you know you mentioned her forehand and you know she's she's such a completely different player when when she trusts her forehand and and it's comfortable you know accelerating and and cranking as you said cranking it up and and taking on opponents doesn't have to be every point it doesn't have you know doesn't have to be you know constantly but when that's part of her arsenal and she isn't just you know being too passive she's a completely different player and, and i think she's been you know just has has a lot more confidence in that, that stroke and i guess we, we've seen in how she's been able to just produce good performances you know most weeks and and yes i think she you know <laughs> Definitely being in in that section of the draw, she I'm not sure what her head to head is is with um, Svitolina if they do face each other, but it's 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 not you know <laughs> Islam it's it's often not a bad place to be. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and so she's someone I have circled, but again, I know it's late. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. There are a bunch of different names out there. Where are you on the tossing? Uh, the toss and is it standing? I don't know what the word the kids use nowadays. But where are you with your Clara toss and takes? I suppose I I watch her backhand and it's love at first strike. I mean, oh my god, her ability to hit that backhand down the line, Tumani. It's just like that. You're, I just like you're just like that one. I want that one. That's the good one. And sometimes tennis, as much as I like to bring in the numbers, it's very much an eye test sport. You can see it when someone's got it. You can see it when someone doesn't. She's got it. The power factor, the ability to craft points, the comfort level moving forward, the lack of fear to play big and on her terms on the big points. I think she is someone who you have to consider a dark horse. I mean, honestly, the size of Lumila Samsonova, I'm so intrigued where she goes. Like watching her grass court run and just the tennis she can play. She's only still like 22 years old. I think she's another player to watch. Yeah. There's a lot of different names out there. Am I missing anyone? 
No, no. So, so, so on. So I say so. Samson over. I watched her a lot. It's it's funny because I I watched you know I watched her a lot like in in lower level tournaments, and it wasn't until and I knew like she huge hitter, whatever. And it wasn't until you know watched her actually make dub tier level, yeah. and saw her um like the serve speeds yeah. that I realized, holy crap! All of these serves are 120 mile an hour. <laughs> Not all of them. But like I didn't you know I knew she was in her, but sometimes you don't realize until you see you know the, the um the 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 speed gun. Um, so yeah, and she's just yeah, she, she's bursting with um, weapons. So so on 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 Tarsona, I, I just I really like that. Yeah, she's she, like she's great off the ground. Her forehand is also really heavy and can just hit anyone. Hit so many players off the court. But I, I like I've read kind of what she, some of her interviews and and that she and her her coach like I've spoken to her as well. And she and her coaches are are really like intent on her being uh, an all around player. Which is not what you always hear from from players who have that weaponry, and, and you know she wants to she wants to have that toolbox and, and to to have different options on the court, and and I think that that really bodes well for her. And and she already you know she already is is capable of doing like very as you mentioned of doing more than just crushing the ball, and and I think that bodes really really nicely for her in in the future. Mm-hmm. No, I I would agree with you. I would also say. I'm just looking at the rankings now. Marie Buzkova is down to number 87 in the live rankings. That might be the best number 87 ever. Like, it's just like, how is she 87? Like, I just... Again, there's a lot of talent. And no, I, I would agree with... I was just going to say, she, she faces Osaka, I think. What? Yeah, I think her first round's Osaka. That's just brutal. Ugh. I, I, mean, I mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah you want to know who's 88? The best 88 of all time, Anaconia. It's like, what are we doing here? It's crazy. And it's like, she, honestly, she probably should be 88 right now just because she hasn't played as much as the others, even if we know how good her best level can be. So, again, it's a tournament filled with dark horses. We could do 20 minutes on Maya Sharif if you want. Obviously, she's playing some outstanding tennis right now. And, you know, there are U.S. wild cards, Katie McNally, Haley Baptiste, who I think are all really, really good as well. Um, there's, a, there's a certain British 18-year-old who's... who's- being hyped. Eh, Emma Raducanu. No, I'm just kidding. Emma Raducanu is super, super talented. There's no denying that. And I think it's scary because for the first time, it's someone who's straight up younger than my younger brother. And I'm just like, this is (laughs) too much for me. Um, But... No, it's again, it should be a really fun event with that in mind. No one likes to give predictions, but I always like to ask for them. So, women's title. We'll we'll start there. Who earns the crown, Tumani? Who are you leaning so, towards? I was, asked, I was asked this recently. I gave the most boring answer you can possibly imagine. Party? My, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and also men's, Barty and Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my, 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 not, my non-Barty pick mm-hmm. would be... Uh, Sure. Well, the good news uh, is there's a lot of value in this pick, so it matters a lot. So, you know, don't give me something. You should have gone with Rabakana or Gullabek or Herzog. Just give me something funky. <laughs> Camilla Giorgi. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I mean, take it. No, I mean, Barty's a, I think it's Barty or Osaka. For me, it's Barty's the favorite right now, but if Naomi makes week two, she becomes my favorite. And Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I agree, yeah. Like, I just I have to wait and see what. Naomi looks like how what, yeah but as soon as yeah no a complete I think, I think everyone in everyone will know like 
Yeah. If, how Naomi's looking. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I actually think and, she looked pretty good against Teichman. Like, I don't think she played poorly. I think she served poorly. I don't think she played poorly. I mean, and, and yeah, when Teichman continues and reaches the final, you know, if it's yeah, ex- really up. Exactly. Um, so, so who's yours? Uh, come on. <laughs> I asked the questions here. Uh, no, uh, mine's plain as well. Uh, it's Barty. Barty's one, Osaka's two. I'm going to pick Arena Sabalenka to win every slam until she does, just so that eventually I'm right. Because uh, I really do think she's going to win multiple slams in her career. But those that's my short list. And, you know, Pliskova's on that short list, certainly. I'm very creative here, as you can tell. Um, Muguruza, yeah. for me, is the name. I, I just... I was I watched that Middle East swing. She was the best player in, through the first three months no, of the season, and she had the match points on Osaka. And just if she can hit that, she can win this event. Yeah, I I I was I can't remember if it was Wimbledon or or French Open, but I picked Muguruza for one of that, and I've been scarred by that. No, it's fair. I said um, she was going to win a Grand Slam this season, and so I just yeah, like I guess by virtue I have to pick this one. So, 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 sorry. Where I mean, this is already over an hour. But is have, in your opinion, have have we reached the point where it's Barty versus the field? Hey, no. we never have to apologize for length here on a crack racket show. That's half the fun. But B, <sighs> was it it's Barty, Barty and Osaka. Versus, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Barty versus the field. I just can't disrespect Naomi Osaka like that because yeah. we saw it in Australia too many. She rolled out of bed. And clocked everyone but Garbine. And it was just like, how can we forget yeah. that when the same scenario happened? And same deal, by the way, in August of last year. She literally, we all rolled out of our houses from a pandemic. And minus one, and, you know, minus her not playing the Cincinnati or Western Southern final, she won everything. Everything. Yeah. And so, like, how eyes my eyes i'm like you know i just i ha- i can't deny them no matter how hard i try so that would be where i stand now the flip side and i apologize if i cut you off there but the flip side you sort of said it you're picking djokovic obviously that's the story in tennis can he capture the fourth can he join rod labor steffi graf in modern history as the players to do it you're on the yes camp yes he can because obviously it's him versus the field i mean yeah of course he can he can <laughs> and i think he probably will best of five, but I mean, and, I think you know, uh, if, if you like, my full opinion would be the the, the younger players like Medvedev winning a Masters, Zverev winning a Masters, Tsitsipas reaching two semifinals. Um, they've done about as much as they can to, you know, to, to arrive at the U.S. Open in good form and confident and and ready to kind of give him as much as they can is that enough it normally isn't <laughs> but you know you can't you can't say that other play, you know the players around him in the rankings aren't in form so you know that interesting to see and and, and i should say so, so people who listen to this don't think i'm discounting osaka you know so she 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 did the press her press today and, and she she seemed just it, it felt like notable to me that she seemed to be in a, a nice headspace and like I don't know. She, she seemed a lot more. I mean, compared to obviously the previous press conference where she was crying, she she just seemed a lot more relaxed and and you know, we'll see. Right? No, absolutely. And with that in mind, my final question to you: Any takeaways from 
press day today? Any noticeable media day shifts or attitudes or outliers that stood up to you that we can expect you to be writing about for The Guardian? Uh, not necessarily, but I did I did enjoy uh, uh, Medvedev, actually, when, when asked, you know, I do ask another million questions about Djokovic, as you know, as is, is the case for, for the young players, younger players. And he was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to do my best to make sure that he and Nadal and, and, and Federer remain at 20. You know, he just, he, 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 he spoke up and, and, and said, you know, expressed just how much he, 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 he's there to win and to, you know, not then that, that him, him and his other, his peers aren't just there to, to lose to Djokovic. And I don't know, I, I enjoyed hearing that level of, I don't know, the confidence in, in his speech. Uh, will, will that reflect on the court if, if he faces Djokovic in the final? Hmm. But I don't know. It, it, it's, I, I don't know. I, I just like to hear that. I think part of that is him just being like, I don't have zero for Djokovic on my draw. I don't have zero for Djokovic <laughs> on my draw. And he's just very, very happy to be on that other side. But no, it's, Again, it's, it should be a really, really fun two weeks in New York on both the men's and the women's side. Of course, you will be writing for all of that action uh, – throughout all of that action over the course of the two weeks. It's all going to be at The Guardian? Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Every so often, I keep waiting for that ringer byline to pop up again. I'm just like, come I'm on. Right. I, I, that, that's, yeah, it's, they, they work me too much at The Guardian. I actually do would like to, to write that again. but Yeah, no. But yeah. St- uh, no, again, I know – I, I'll speak for myself. I know I speak for others as well. When a Tumani Carriol piece comes out, everyone reads it. So, of course, Tumani, always appreciate ha- you taking the time and having the chance to chat with you here on this show. Hopefully, we'll get the chance to do it again during this course of New York. But uh, obviously, wishing you well and look forward to seeing all of your work throughout the course of the U.S. Open. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And, and next time you see me on, on No Challenges Remaining, you're, you're welcome to text me anyway. <laughs> I might just crash it. I like, <laughs> okay, let's do this quickly since probably people aren't listening at this point. I know there's a group chat. I know there's a group chat I'm not a part of. And I do, I know there's probably multiple group chats, but no. I know it exists. Ben, ben just, just messaged me and asked me. Is this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just eat it today. You, you know. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I know there's a WhatsApp group of, like, you, Courtney, Ben, I want to say David Kane's in there. I know there's another. I, there's some other people I'm trying to crack the code or who are in that group, and I'm going to get the invite. I will get the invite someday. I think I need my IPTA or my ILPTA, whatever it is. The te- What is that, the organization? Do I- yeah, exactly. I need my certification first, but once I get that, you guys will let me in. I don't think. That, that's, that's not. Uh, <laughs> that's the tennis <laughs> Illuminati right there. That group. Oh but, wow, that, yeah. that doesn't sound. Yeah, no. This like, I just want people to think you guys, people. yeah, are nefarious and there's actually power <laughs> and all these things. But that is just not how it works at all. But again, Tumani, my friend, always a pleasure to hear your voice. Uh, be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Tumani Cariel. A huge thank you to him for taking the time to chat. And of course, again, you can read all of his work covering the 2021 ATP and WTA tours at The Guardian. Of course, this was one of our six preview podcasts. We've hit them all, folks. Top men's and women's contenders, top men's and women's dark horses, state of American men's and women's tennis entering this event. Of course, we'll have draw previews for all of you tomorrow. We'll have daily coverage of all of the action as well as daily predictions, talking odds and everything else, bringing back our GSP Ace of the Day segment. We're locked and loaded for the next two weeks of Grand Slam action. We hope you all will follow along with us. Of course, if you miss any of the content, you can find it all on our website, CrackRackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, Cracked Interviews podcast, Mini Break podcast, and everything we're doing here at CR. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout-out as well to our friends over at Turn of Tennis. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With all of that said, for our wonderful guests, Tumani Cario, super producers Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Turn of From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.